Hey, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we start this next episode, I have a quick question for you. How do you feel about being subpoenaed in your private practice? If you have any fear, sense of dread, or worry, you are not alone. Please join us for our upcoming training with Nicole Stoller-Peterson on mastering your subpoena process in private practice. It's going to be an amazing training to help build your confidence, to help you serve your clients better, and to take out the guesswork when it comes to being subpoenaed in your private practice. All you need to do is go to zinnime.com and check out the training there. You will also get a recording if you sign up. We can't wait to see you there. Today is all about ditching insurance, the if, when, how, and why. If this is your first time in a training with us, welcome. If you're coming back, welcome again. I'm Kelly Higdon. And I'm Miranda Palmer. And we are obsessed with helping therapists and healers live their dream by applying clinical business and wellness business strategies to their lives and businesses. The truth is, is we need more therapists and healers out there than ever before you are needed out in the world and you need some support because if you keep doing what everyone else is doing you're going to be burned to a crisp (laughs) you are meant to be here today this isn't by accident Um, there are so many other places you could be and there is something in you calling you to this moment today is about creating a private practice model that works for you Mm -hmm. and your clients there's no judgment about pro or con insurance or hybrid insurance or any of that kind of stuff. This is really just about leaning in, getting some information so you can make an informed choice and decision, whether that means going on a panel, going off the panel, saying no to all panels or someplace in between. So we want to hear from you. Are you ready to figure out the if, when, what, if, why, when, and (laughs) and how how. (laughs) of ditching insurance. Let's see it. Are you guys excited? Are y'all excited? Excuse me. I'm working on my language. Yes. Yep. 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 Yes. Awesome. (laughs) Well, let's go. And remember to stick around for the end for the winner of our Etsy gift card and a free lifetime entry to business school for therapists who wants to win business school, who wants to win Etsy. Let's hear it in the chat. All right. Who loves a party? (laughs) Because when you accept insurance, you're basically bringing a third party into the therapeutic relationship, right? So we may not see them sitting on the couch with us, but they are there and they are involved in the treatment and care of the person that we are seeing. And we want to talk about the power of the insurance company when we engage in a relationship with them. This is the power that we give them by signing that contract. Um, They have the power to determine treatment, what gets covered, what gets authorized to see files. They can can issue a request for refund or overpayment years later, take it without notice, which we call call, clawbacks. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And they can decide what is usual and customary for rates for their services. Right. (laughs) Your responsibility as the therapist right? Is what it's always been. You're providing quality care and interventions and treatments based on best practices. 
not based on what's covered by insurance. Let's repeat that. Mm. Ultimately, your ethical standard is to the client and to their treatment needs and goals. Your ethical standard is not to get the services reimbursed by insurance companies, especially if reimbursement is leading to poor outcomes or it's leading to um, misalignment in terms of what's happening in the treatment room. I have a quick story about this. Yeah. When I worked in the psych hospital, I did a lot of case management and things like that. And Kaiser in particular, not, not whatever, one of the insurance companies, um, if the stay was too long, even though we felt the person needed to stay, maybe they were still actively suicidal, they would send someone in uh-huh. and be like, you need to get out. You need to not, you need to move on. We need you to go into therapy. You don't need to be here. And so basically they would argue with us and be like, no, it's, they don't need this. They're not truly suicidal. Like they would get involved to that degree. Wow. So yeah. literally like send someone to like try to convince yes. the person. They had their own case manager uh, that was a nurse practitioner, a psychiatric nurse practitioner that would come in and meet with anyone that stayed over five days. And just basically say, and that like, let's move this along. Let's move this along. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah. Uh, oh, that- see, Tawana's had that experience as well. So uh, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. How did that can get replicated in private practice? Yeah. Um, your responsibility as a therapist is to agree. Like when you decide and you sign a contract, you're agreeing to the rates of services, right? You're saying, yeah, you know what? I signed that contract. So I'm going to live up to the terms of that contract. You have no responsibility to sign a contract, right? Right. But once you sign it until you cease it, you have a responsibility to follow that contract and you do have a responsibility to advocate with third-party payers to have some communication. Um, and that can get really tricky. There can be a significant amount of tension mm-hmm. because what if what is best for the client, it feels like it would take you three hours of advocating on the phone with an insurance company, yeah. but you're not going to get paid for any of the advocacy time. Correct. Yeah. Right. And here's the thing is not the insurance company who is suffering here. It falls on the person in the middle. The primary beneficiary of this third party relationship is the insurance company. 2021 in the middle of a pandemic, 30 billion in profit, more than Amazon, more than, you know, mm-hmm. they've ever made before. <laughs> Let's just sit with that for a moment. Yeah. So before you start judging yourself or another clinician for their decisions, I think we should look to really where the issue is. This is the issue. It's the clinician who gets squeezed by these decisions and the client who gets whipped around in the only system available to them. Now, I know some of you may be from other countries and we are primarily talking about in the US industry here. Yeah. Um, Now, we love the accessibility that insurance can provide, right? It can sound like frustrating on the outside, but that's not why we accept insurance. If we all had a choice, we probably wouldn't involve another person in a relationship. People take panels because of the accessibility it provides. They're working within the system to get the needs of the client met. And sometimes it can meet the needs of the therapist. And sometimes it doesn't. 
which is what we want you to help you determine today for yourself. Are we saying all insurance is bad? No, not at all. Nothing like that here. We are saying we have to assess. Every insurance plan and contract is different from state to state. Regulations vary from state to state. And sometimes the same insurance plan in the same state will actually be separate corporations with completely different policies, procedures, and reimbursements. It depends on your licensure. It depends on your expertise. There's so much. We are saying that you have to learn to assess what makes sense for you and your clients, and that you'll have to continually assess what works as needs, policies, and reimbursement rates change. So Gary made his assessment and he decided that insurance didn't work for him. He's pretty opinionated about it, but he, he started with insurance panels too, right? Initially, he had to explore and assess what worked for him, his clients and his business. Even though he didn't like having a third party involved in care, it was scary to leave here. Who here like is like, I don't like this, but it's really scary. He truly thought he might lose all of his clients, but within 18 months, his practice exploded and he actually had his first wait list. Like it transformed his practice for him. The breaking point was spending 40 minutes composing one message to justify three sessions for a severely depressed client. And he knew he'd never get reimbursed by that time for him. He realized this wasn't just, it just wasn't sustainable and it didn't leave him feeling good about his work with insurance companies. And he just decided like, I am, over it. I'm dumping them. I'm done. I think the ultimate vision here, this is our shared vision from which we operate today to provide quality care to clients in a way that is sustainable to both you and your business and to them, right? That's the win, win, win that we want to be set up for. So what do we mean by quality clear care? Every client gets the same attunement, whether they are in the first or the last session of the day or week. It's consistent attunement. They get the same therapist. It's you and your clients feeling confident about the, the transformation that the relationship is providing. It's you having time to track your outcomes, being able to provide referrals when needed, energy to do the marketing and leadership pieces of your solo or group practice. It's you showing up for your other relationships at home, like out of the office and having the space to receive and give connection it's the place where your practice is burnout proof. Who here needs a burnout proof practice? Who maybe needs some recovery from burnout? We're gonna be talking about that tomorrow. Again, this ultimate vision to provide quality care to clients in a way that's sustainable to you and your business. Is this something we can all agree Look at on? That. Yes. Burnout right? proof me. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So to achieve that vision, it's about creating a business that fits into your life not one that your life has to fit around. Mm -hmm. It fits in your life. Your life doesn't fit around the business. Too often we're spending time building our practices out of others' expectations, bending and swaying to make something fit that just doesn't. And today we want that to stop. What if it could be easy? Mm. What if you made decisions that were based on what worked for you and your life? Mm. Heather had a moment of clarity. She kept running the numbers and struggling. There was so many different reimbursement rates and so many different things that she was trying to manage. And she could see based on that lowest paying contract that she'd be losing money if she kept those contracts and kept on insurance panels. On top of that, 
She was working for free, responding to audits, playing phone tag and all the rest of it. It wasn't even like she was failing the audits. Like Mm -hmm. she was doing fine with the audits, but it took so much time and energy. And it was this constant process. She, the final straw for her was that she had a personal health problem Mm -hmm. and it led to a disability and she couldn't keep up with all the requirements and realized that the pay wasn't sustainable to stay for health problems or crises, benefits, retirements, vacations, et cetera. The only way to sustain what she was doing was to be in complete health and to have nothing go wrong in the life and not take any vacations or get sick. Like that is like so incredibly unrealistic. But the health problem was like such a lovely thing because it allowed her and gave her permission to reorganize her priorities. Mm -hmm. Now she has a predictable budget, more clients than they can take because the community knows what coverage we take now. I can pay for health insurance and retirement for myself and my employees. She has a group practice and the insurance panels. I quit contact me consistently and asking me return. And I haven't needed or wanted to return. Kelsey says that her health problem led to opening her, Hey, Kelsey, opening her practice. I mean, that is the silver lining to some of these painful things. We just don't want you to get to the point that you have to be ill to do what works for you. So you, you can have permission from us now before, before that happens. Yeah. So how do you find what is sustainable for you? We want to show you a path. Um, some of this we did cover in our how to set fees, but this is a, a part of the, the process here. So let's do a little visualization. <laughs> so we want you to close your eyes right now. Take in a nice deep breath and scan your body from head to toe. Think about your life and a normal work day. Is it working for you? You have energy at the close of the day. Does your body feel healthy and vibrant? you go for a walk. Is every client you see getting the same attunement and attention? Or is that last client of the week or that last client of the day getting the you that is 75% or 50 or 40% there and the other percentage is just waiting for the relief of the 50 minutes to be up so you can leave. Are you able to do documentation with ease, having time and space to do that? Not feeling any anxiety about audits or subpoenas, just things are in flow. As you notice that, maybe give yourself a moment to notice If that's not in flow, how many clients could you realistically see still have time for life? Everybody gets your same energy. You're able to run your business and do your documentation with ease. No files piling up, even time to run a vacuum or whatever things that you've been avoiding. What is that magic number that comes to mind? 
And I don't mean the number that you start rationally saying, well, I could probably squeeze out, you know, two more people. I mean, what does your body say is that number for you? Listen to your body in this moment. Get out of your head. Mm -hmm. And breathe that in. And feel what it would feel like to give yourself permission to say, I see fill in the blank, whatever that number is, clients per week, and live a balanced life. And I want you to type that into the chat. I see blank clients a week and live a balanced life. Right? I see 10 to 12 clients a week and live a balanced life. I see five, I see 12, I see 15, I see 14. Now, Rachel, I'm going to challenge you when you say, I want to see 20 to 25. I didn't hear, I see this and live a balanced and full life. And I think there's a reason that it says 20 to 25, right? 20 to 35. That's not a balanced life, Shannon. There's no room to run <laughs> your business in there. No, if you are seeing 35 clients a week, unless you're hiring out a whole staff of people, a receptionist, a bookkeeper, all the rest of it, 35 client hours translates into 50 to 60 hours a week minimum. I do want to say all of y'all are different. Yeah. Look at this 12, 5, 10, 20, 15. This is why it's important that we really look at our lives and mm -hmm. what works for us. So I know we didn't recap this, but um, I want you to get pen and paper out <laughs> and I want you to write down how does it feel? It can be a really vulnerable thing to share this number. You might be surprised by the number. You might feel shame. You might be angry. You might be excited. And the truth is you cannot compare to what others are saying their ideal is because they aren't you. They don't have your life, your resources, your privileges, or your lack thereof. They may have different systems that support them than you. The past few years have shifted all of our lives and many of us do not have the same capacity we had years ago. And some of us may feel grief that we wish we could do more, mm -hmm. but our bodies and circumstances and more than that just do not allow for it. So all of those moments are part of the process and they are welcome here. Mm -hmm. And so before we look to see, well, why can that person do this? You just won't ever know. It's more about honoring and respecting what you can do and what is right for you. Mm -hmm. Acknowledging your capacity is the first step to better outcomes and income. Because if you are beyond capacity, you are kidding yourself if you think that doesn't impact therapeutic relationships, yeah. if that's not impacting your life, it's, we, you need balance, right? And Having a, a, a private practice that makes money or that serves a lot of people, but isn't getting good clinical outcomes is not going to feel good in your body. I love this. Michelle said, I want to see 16, but my body says 12 basically, but ah, I know it's 12. Yeah. And that is that dissonance between yeah. what we were taught or what our peers do. And we hold that tension of this is what I should be doing, but this is what I can do. And there's some grief in between that chasm. Yeah, there is. And I think that I, I remember the point when I, I used to schedule 32 clients a week at minimum. And then when I went into private practice and realizing like, oh, that was with a lot of things in place. 
that was with the receptionist, someone to take care of, of all yeah. of these other pieces. There was a lot that was there in terms of the thing. And I was consistently burning myself out. So like, it wasn't really sustainable, but it was a little more sustainable than as a, as a business owner. One of the pieces that we often miss when it comes to insurance panels is that we don't create a sustainable business plan. We let insurance set what is usual and customary. We let them set what the fee is going to be for our business, even if it doesn't relate at all to what the cost of doing business is in our area. And so today we want you to really figure out what would be that base fee for you. And it's going to be a really huge determining factor in how you decide what to do with particular panels and determine if they really work for you. Now we covered this in the how to set fees, but it, it deserves revisiting, especially if you didn't attend that. So let's go through the steps of what that really looks like. So you're going to look at how many sessions per week. We're not looking at number of clients per se. At this mm -hmm. point, we're looking at how frequently in a, in a week, how many sessions can you do from beginning to end, be the great therapist from beginning to end and still have energy for your life yes. and relationships. And you just put that down, right? Yes. The, the 12 number. My body said 12. That's 12. Yes. Right. And then it's how many weeks per year, how many weeks per year where we have to leave time for, Hey, I want to take a vacation once a year or twice a year. Hey, you know what? I have a chronic illness and I get sick. I have to call out about this many times per, per year or what have you, or I have a child that has an, an illness and I need to be available for them. Yeah. Um, hey, I really want to get the certification done this year or this training. And instead of I, I mean, the amount of therapists that will plan those, oh, it's okay. It's a weekend training three days. So they work four days. Then they do the training for three days. They come back and work three days. They do this like over and over again and burn themselves to a crisp. Let's really create the time for that. Right. So we recommend at least six weeks as an estimate of time off, which mean work means working about 46 weeks a year. That's right? your starting. That's your we always starting. want to move you more <laughs> towards 42, yeah. um, more time off than that, but to start. And then we want to look at how much gross income you want to make. Um, this is the amount before taxes are taken. You want to look at all of your expenses in the business, the taxes you need to pay and what you want to bring home. This is your gross income. So for example, if you want to bring home 100,000, you probably might need to almost double that amount so that you can cover taxes and expenses. Woo! <laughs> so here's some of the common expenses in private practice. You, If you're in practice now, you know them well. These are the common expenses that you're looking at. But then these are the often forgotten ones that are go unaccounted for, particularly paying yourself, retirement. I'm telling you, disability and long-term care. I'm seeing so many therapists not doing this and that scares me. And I'm hoping that with you know, out of this pandemic, that's one of the things that's prompting us to be like, oh, I do need this kind of uh, security in case there's an illness, outsourcing uh, certifications, consultations, savings for tech upgrades. Hate to yeah. break it to you, but uh, we, we go through laptops, <laughs> like, you know, and we just have to plan for it. So, yeah, but I think that's the piece is you people are literally saying, oh, in order to upgrade the thing that I use every day or to like take care and fix the thing that broke that I need to do my job, I have to not pay myself. Right. No, that's not how it's supposed to be y'all. This is not what it, how it's supposed to work. 
So then you're going to put that into a formula. You're going to take that gross income that you need, and you may need to come back and do this. Okay. So you're going to kind of rough it out today, write down the gross income you need and divide that by the weeks worked per year. And then that's your gross per week. Then you'll take that number, divide it by the number of sessions per week. And that gives you a rough estimate of the fee that you need to be charging. So for example, if you wanted to or needed to make $120,000 gross in order to take home what you wanted, needed to take home, maybe that's $65,000, and you were working 50 weeks a year, which again, we don't recommend, seeing 20 clients a week, that sounds like a lot, right? You need to charge $120 on average, okay? So these are some <laughs> examples mm -hmm. of how the person is making the same gross income but how many weeks they work varies. You can play with how many sessions and you can see the fee differential of $80 range here. So when you look to your peer and you say, well, why do they charge that fee? Well, maybe they can work less than you or they have to work more than you or they can do more sessions per week than you. There's too many variables. Do you see why you can't compare and why you can play with yeah. these for yourself to sit and be like, what works for me? Well, and you know, maybe this person who's doing 20 weekly sessions is doing this very kind of like coaching, positive psychology stuff that's really inspiring. And maybe the 20, 12 weekly sessions, they're working with high conflict couples right. where like it's some intensity in that space. Couples and make me sweat. I could, <laughs> I could do like one couple a week. Right. So like, let's be honest about that. Some of the, the niches that we have, they take a different level of energy and attention and outside of session work. When I was in grad school, I remember my, one of my teachers saying, for every one hour I spend with clients in the room, I'm spending two hours outside of that, whether that wow. was writing reports, um, doing um, other consultations, all these other things. So if we think about the, even this 12 weekly sessions, that person could be doing 36 clinical hours per week, right? If that was the scenario. So we cannot, we cannot get all judgy about what's happening with other people, right? We have to trust um, these amazing other clinicians. And it may space. feel like, whoa, 120K. You know, you hear everyone talk about, I make six figures. I hit 100K. That's a random number. And when I hear them, like, that doesn't matter because I don't know your expenses. I don't know your tax bracket. I don't know any of this. So it's, you can see how it breaks down. If you have 120K, let's say 36K of that was going to expenses, including retirement, business savings training, rent, sick time. And this is just ballpark. Um, if you were single with no kids living in Boston, another 18K to your federal taxes, then 12,830 towards self-employment taxes, then you'd pay another 4,200 to the state. I mean, taxes add up. And then you look at what comes to you about 40%. And that comes out to like 4,900, almost 5K. But no, $4,080 a month. 4000 Oh, yes. well. In some areas, that might be a great take-home income, but it's probably not what you imagine taking home when you thought about making six figures. And in Boston, with the average rent for a one-bedroom apartment being $2,750, it might not be as sustainable, especially if you have a few student loans to pay off. Ooh. 
<laughs> so what do you do when your fee needed is higher than what the insurance reimburses? You may be looking at insurance and going like, uh, how, wait, but I need to charge like double that, triple that this happens. Mm -hmm. So one option is you can lower your needs or cut your own expenses. You may ditch some of the expenses in your business, or you may choose to need less to live in your personal life. Maybe you're like, you know what, if I go, and this is real choices therapists are making, like, you know what, I'm going to do tiny home living, or I'm going to live in a van. I'm going to um, move out of the country. I'm going to move out of the country. I'm going to rent out uh, the other rooms in my home and, and do these other places, right? And in some cases, I'm going to say this, some therapists are, base, are staying in unhealthy relationships and things that are not safe because that's the only way that they can sustain, yeah. um, which that breaks my heart. The other option is you can negotiate for better reimbursement, which we'll talk about in a moment and how to do that. You can try to get a raise from the insurance company saying like, hey, this actually isn't sustainable. Now, the other option is you can let private pay clients subsidize the insurance company's rates. Now you may be saying like, I would <gasps> never do that. But you do that, that. sounds terrible, <laughs> but people do this all the time. A hundred dollars, let's say that was the average fee you needed. This is just for easy math. If insurance are reimbursing $50, and you have 50% insurance and 50% private pay, you need to charge those cash pay $150 in order to make up for those low reimbursement rates um, that you're getting from the insurance company. Your clients are the ones uh, subsidizing the insurance company, right? You focus on making therapy accessible through taking a low pay insurance contract. It might actually be making therapy less accessible while insurance companies made how much in profit last year? 30 billion. $30 billion. <laughs> how does this feel in your body, especially when it comes to equity and accessibility, right? And this is one of the things that people come to when they decide to, to knock it off panels. This is why you see therapists saying, well, you know, I'm just going to do coaching because then in coaching, I can call it something else and then I can charge what would be an appropriate fee. And that's the only way that we feel like we can say no to insurance panels when that's not, that's not the case. We can do therapy for, yeah, angry. I, yeah. and I think like you get to decide here in terms of percentages, this is where we look at the hybrid model and say, okay, if I'm going to mine this gap and let the private pay client subsidize, that means I can have 20% insurance, 80% um, private pay, those kinds of things. So you can start to do the math on it. Mm -hmm. Now, the other option is to create a model that works for you, your needs as a therapist, as a human being. So you eliminate the contracts that don't pay what you need to live. Now you, again, you may be saying, you know what the, the thing is, is like, it's not that simple. It's not that easy. The reality is in Arkansas, People are reimbursing or insurance companies are reimbursing at, you know, $120. And then in Los Angeles, they're reimbursing at $65. And that's usual and customary. And, that, and they're all usual and customary. Can you live in LA on $60? No. Can you live in Arkansas yes. on $120? Like, yeah, that's doable. <laughs> I think so. So this is, this is most of the time, right? Depending <laughs> on the situation. These are the kind of things that we have to start to unpack and untie ourselves and just start to look at cold, hard facts and numbers. Why can that insurance plan offer $65 in LA because in 
therapists will accept it because they didn't run the math. Yeah. And then I love what Becky's saying. It's what y'all said on Monday about therapists carrying the burden for a failing system. We yes. are, we put ourselves in the gap Yes, and we carry that burden and the system will seek to maintain status quo. The system does not care about us, y'all. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's going to do what it wanted to do. And we are the ones that have to advocate for better. Those of us that have the privilege and the voice and the ability to do that. We're all, we're all for it changing. And we do our part through voting, lobbying, speaking up for change, even doing this training is our part in that. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, we have to advocate better for ourselves. As long as we agree to what the insurance company is doing, there is no reason for them to change. And when we agree to something that doesn't work for us, we and our clients are the ones who can suffer for it. And I want to throw this in too. We're talking today about insurance, but this might also tie into some of these tech companies that are hiring therapists as, as contractors and reimbursing them at 20 or $30 or $40 a session, and then reselling or opening up the client's private health information to their subsidiaries and add, you know, advertising and doing all these crazy things with that information. When we go in and we sign a contract with an employer or with an insurance company, we are giving validity and we're saying that what they're doing is okay. Do you hear that? When you sign up with a company who has a privacy policy that is unethical, you as a licensed professional are giving that validity and saying it's okay. And you are the person that's drawing in potential clients into a dangerous situation. Someone says how like other tech companies and stuff are emailing and offering horrible contracts. And if you don't read those contracts, they're recording sessions to build the AI down the road to try to replace the human. Yeah, there's some, <laughs> there's some very interesting, they can seem a little bit like far-fetched. I don't think they're really far-fetched. But I think no. this, what we're teaching today also yeah. speaks to if you were to sign up with some of those kind of yes. contracts, it's the same thing, even though it's not technically insurance, it's this way of getting in, in bed, <laughs> bringing in a third party into yeah. the relationship. Yeah. yeah. And we need to sit down and own that. Like what we do as clinicians is really magical and beautiful and powerful, life-changing, life-changing. Can we get like, do you change people's lives? Like you all change people's lives and you are going out and kind of like just giving it away to all these other people who are profiting off of you. And it's not okay. Like it's not okay. So let's go back to the ideal caseload size we envisioned. In any part of that day, were you calling insurance companies? Uh, were you like, oh, I finish a session. I call Blue Cross Blue Shield. <laughs> I sit on hold for 10 minutes while I have my snack. Um, your time is a precious resource. And it's something we have to look at in terms of what you have time for. It's something that we want to highlight. And for a moment as a factor to consider when looking at your options. And I think this is the piece too, is like, we can look at it and say like, okay, well, I'll just hire someone to, to take care of that stuff for me. Well, that, then our expenses go up and our profit margins go down even more. And so we have to look at that and, and put that into our expenses. If 13, if we're paying 8% or 11% or 13% off the top to our biller, then we need to, then that gross income that we need is going to go up. 
Someone said, no way are you on hold for only 10 minutes. Put it on speaker and clean your entire office. I love it. That's so great. And of course, one more factor to consider is like, what's right for you and your practice? Clawbacks, insurance companies can come back and ask for money. It's important that if you go with an insurance panel that you have a savings that can be there for the sole purpose of clawbacks. And you have to understand that the laws and regulations in your state like what they are, because not every state is difficult, is different. As for example, January 1st of 2022 um, in Illinois, right? Insurance companies have only 12 months, 12 right? Months. From, the, from the point that someone's paid, like there's only 12 months for them to randomly say, hey, we made a mistake. This isn't like fraud is unlimited, like that kind of stuff. But this is like random things where <laughs> this law was passed because insurance company literally went to somebody in Illinois and said, we want a million dollars back because we made a mistake. Can I just say, I when, when you said 12 months and I went 12 months and I thought, isn't that an abusive relationship when you're like so grateful that you can only have money <laughs> taken away from you for a year instead of 10 years? It's like, that's how broken the system is yeah. and just how... Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yay. yay. It's good, but it's also still but, like, but do you have 12 months to send them a bill? No, you have 30 days or 60 days. Like, what does your contract say? Like, you have this much time to respond to this. You have this much time to respond to that. Like, you, you have to do all of these things like that. And then they can look, authorize it, check it out, pay you. And with zero audit, with zero mistake on your part, they can just say, nope, we changed our mind. And we really oh. feel strongly about this. I've Someone said, I've had, yet I have over 10,000 of denied claims. So yeah. this happens a lot in our business school where we have members who have had clawbacks and they did nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. They did nothing wrong. It's just the insurance is like, whoops. And, and what literally happens if you're still with that insurance plan is that now you're seeing someone in the current you get something and say, oh, hey, this is how much you deserve, but we took this money out and it's just not dropping into your account. Yeah. And so can you imagine you have all of your bills due, you're expecting that yeah. money to come, come due, all of the things, and without notice, you just don't get your paycheck. And this is also something that happened during the pandemic in general, was that suddenly they didn't know what they were doing with uh, you know, uh, virtual services. So suddenly it was going from like, oh, people were paying in 21 days to it taking six weeks, 10 weeks, three months, like payments stopped and, and therapists were just standing in the gap, still seeing the clients, doing what they need to do while literally like living off of credit cards or savings. Like yeah. it's not okay. So that's where we go into the process of what needs to happen. You first want to evaluate. You want to read all of your contracts be clear that you understand the reimbursement rate, then you're going to rate them based on ease of use, their reputation for overpayment and clawbacks, difficulty in communication or in timely payments, their contract terms. Do you have time or budget to bill or outsource the billing of them? We have like a whole in our business school, a whole automated thing that will help you kind of yeah. wait all the insurance companies. And I'd also say like, I, we didn't put this in here, but like evaluate your learning style and your neurodivergence. I am not naturally the most organized detail oriented person, right? <laughs> Kelly and I are a wonderful mix together. <laughs> we both have wonderful skills. I'm, I'm not like a total mess, but like this insurance 
would be a bad juju sign for me. Like it would be a lot of work and energy and I would really need to outsource it or have it automated, right? For those of you where rates aren't workable or guidelines don't meet your client's needs, then we start to look at eliminating. We create a timeline based on the contract terms and those contract terms, sometimes they're annual, like you have to wait until like your re-update. Sometimes it's 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 120, 180. It's different for all of them. You have to read your contract. Eliminate the worst paying or most difficult first. And at the same time, you're going to be upping or maybe even before up your marketing for cash paid clients as you make the transition. Now, this is something that I find a lot. I know I feel like we're totally going over because we're just like talking so much. (laughs) It's a lot of times people say, well, I'm just going to wait until I have this many cash paid clients and then I will let go of insurance contracts, but they're on every insurance contract. So if you're marketing and you're on all these insurance contracts, you're actually competing with yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So people are finding you on the internet. They're finding your website saying, you're the therapist for me. Do you happen to take my, my contract? Like, yes. If you're taking the, the finding your contract, contract is another, story. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother piece. Like it, you're literally competing with yourself. And so often you do have to kind of make the, make the jump. Okay. For those insurance plans where the fee is sufficient, where can you improve billing processes to make it simpler, easier, and more straightforward for you and your clients? Are there protections you'd like to advocate for in your state in terms of clawbacks or insurance company regulations? So that's the next step. Then you're going to look at negotiating. If the fee is not sufficient and you do want to try to stay on that panel, then you need to send a letter sharing why you deserve a raise. We have a template for this in business school, Um, but it really is important to advocate for yourself. It could be based on your specialty. It could be based on lack of service providers in your area. Speak to what is unique about you or your clinicians. If you're a group practice, you need to be tracking outcomes and you need to share those outcomes with the insurance company. Share how many people you've helped, how you've improved access to care, your education and training. This is your time to shine (laughs) and fight for a raise. I know the fear is creeping. What if they don't give me a raise? What if they punish me for asking for a raise and they just drop me? As you start thinking about teaching or negotiating with panels, you notice all the fears creeping in. You know, what if none of my clients stay? You need to make room for the right client so you can provide your best care. That's the truth. And we will say that's often not the case, especially if they have PPO, they can still get reimbursed, those kinds of things. I've even had HMO clients. I I was on panels for a very short period. (laughs) And then I was like, what did I do? And within a month I I was getting off. So, um, but what if they, if they all left, then you would find new clients that are the right fit, but that often is not going to happen. Yeah. And what if your phone starts ringing? You're in control of your marketing plan now, and you can learn how to get the phone ringing. That is one of the most powerful things in terms of your confidence as a business owner is knowing that you know how to bring great people to you and how to help them deeply, that you're not on, no one else is is in charge of the success of your business. What if your colleagues judge you? You get to decide what works for your business. You might actually inspire them. And if they keep judging you, they may not need to be in your circle anymore. But (laughs) uh, what if no one can afford your fee? 
Clients can get reimbursed on PPO plans. You can increase access through other services like group therapy. Some people in business school have ended up deciding, you know what? I want to open a nonprofit. I want to work. My effort instead of negotiating with insurance is going to be grant writing. Like that's their passion and that's what they want to do. You have other options, mm-hmm. um, but I'm there. Usually you need 10 to 15 people in the, your entire state to work with you. So you, you have, the, they probably exist. <laughs> they do. <clears throat> you have options. You have to make the change, whether or not you stay on panels and you get to cho- choose how and when to make those changes. Because remember our guidepost, right? We're making the decision on what will lead us to providing quality care to our clients and the way that's sustainable to you and your business yes. and your clients. This is foundational. And it takes so much courage to change, especially when you see people around you who've been doing it a certain way, or maybe even you have mentors that have been doing it this way forever. Oh man, it's really scary. A well-rested therapist though, they have the energy to give back in a way that's sustainable. You can create services that are accessible, accessible and still meet your needs, right? You can go and provide training, speaking, create courses, The resentment that can come up for those of you on insurance can show up in a therapeutic relationship. Making the right decisions for you and your practice can truly eliminate the resentment from showing up in session. How does it feel when you sit down with a session, when the hard client, when you just got a note saying that the last six sessions won't be reimbursed Mm -hmm. and then you're having to have that conversation and bring it into the room and knowing like, I may not have gotten paid. I may not get paid for that. I may not be getting paid right in this moment. How does that feel? Right. Doing right by you and your business allows for more joy and ease energy for your life. Doing what is right for you can lift up the standard of therapy, reducing stigma as you facilitate better outcomes. How many of you guys have like talked to therapists who are, you know, they're doing the best they can, but they're clearly burnt out. They're falling asleep in session. They're seeing way too many clients. Like you can just tell like they are phoning it in, Yeah, you know, it's not right. It's not okay. Jennifer Bramstetter, right? Help strong women online in Indiana and Ohio overcome anxiety, stress, and burnout to find peace with themselves in their lives. She said, I was spending so much time chasing down money that if I were to divide it up hourly, it was dismal pay. It wasn't worth it. Fighting to be paid for my work, being controlled clinically, and all the time involved made me resentful and burned out. There were times I'd spent so much time appealing that I just give up. I, I would stop chasing the $500 because it wasn't worth it. Before I, she put in her notice, I thought I had to take insurance that not enough people would choose to pay out of pocket, that I was being discriminatory and not serving people in need. Do you see how we create these messages and these dynamics that say like that, that we have to stand in the gap? She joined business school because she was so burned out. And when she ran the numbers, she knew she had to get off of all panels. She was seeing 36 clients a week while also messaging through BetterHelp. During a live Q&A with us, (laughs) she went live because she was feeling stuck. And we told her point blank that she was prioritizing her clients over her family. And herself. And herself. And she said it hurt, but it was true. The next day I put in my notice. And guess what? She initially realized she only needed five clients to replace her income. That's how abysmal the the reimbursement was. Yeah. 
Her goal was 15 and she's been there for over a year now consistently, not actively marketing. I'm a better therapist and I see better results because I'm more present with my clients. I can reflect outside of sessions and come prepared. I'm off work when my kid and husband are home and I don't feel that nagging feeling pull of having to take a late session, answer a message or get on the phone for crisis calls. Hello, boundaries. For those of you who think you can't do it, you absolutely can. This is her message directly from her. She wrote it last week and please do. And my states, especially because I need people to send potential clients to when you're good and you're honed in on what you're good at and who you see, you naturally attract and keep clients. I'm getting referrals from clients and former clients coming back. Now that my business plan is nailed down, I'm not desperate for clients. And I'm confident that when I get to a point of needing to fill spots, I can either wait for them to trickle in or I know what to do to market. And I've networked with a bunch of similar practice owners and they're all full too. So if you're in Indiana or Ohio, (laughs) Jennifer wants you to be cash pays as you can refer to you. (laughs) So we want to ask, are you committed to making change? Maybe you've learned like, I don't want insurance or I want off this one panel or, you know, yes, I love this. (laughs) Look at all this. Oh, Miyuki, you're here. Hi. Um, Erlene's here. I've seen names I know very well. It's so lovely. <laughs> awesome. We know it's scary. Uh, we're not. We're not saying that, that. That we're not speaking like, oh, it's just easy. Get off the panels. There's a lot of decisions to be made. There's barriers to overcome, and a strong foundation you need in place for your business. I, someone asked how long the training is, and we forgot to kind of oh, go over did. what we're doing today. Minutes. <laughs> you know, as we're moving out of this kind of portion, because I don't know about you, but your brain might be a little like, Oh, I have a lot to think about. We want to talk about, you know, whether you are in a solo practice group practice, you're moving beyond the couch, uh, you're struggling or you're starting from scratch, no matter what your goals are, we are here to help and encourage you that you can do this. I've seen a lot of like, what if people leave me? Like, how do I, can this really happen? I don't think I can do this. Maybe I should keep my job, but do you believe in your heart that things can get better because we do, and we've seen it time and time again. Yeah. So let's do a little recappy, right? We learn to assess insurance contracts, right? We assess, we don't just sign everything we assess, right? We, you get permission to say no to what does not work for you. You set a fee as a basis of what the minimum contract rate you could accept and have a viable business. And you understand your options for asking for raises and dropping plans with confidence, right? Now, if you're in a place, we're gonna have time for Q&A, we're gonna do that. But if you're in a place of saying like, I have a thousand more questions and I know that 30 minutes of Q&A is not (laughs) going to get me from here to there, like you may need some, some step-by-step, right? It's time to stop spinning your wheels with a step-by-step strategy, with a plan with support and figuring out who can support you. Because if you go into Facebook groups and these other places, you'll find that you're going to hear a lot of judgment and a lot of direction. And a lot of it doesn't actually make sense. So are you ready for some support <laughs> to come up with a plan and create something that's really sustainable for you and your life. So we're going to unabashedly share about how we support. If it works for you, awesome. Then we'll move into Q&A and then we'll do a giveaway at the end. I see some amazing questions coming in too, so I'm excited to get to those. 
Sorry. What is going on with this? I, I went no. with something. It was I know me. You. It was me. I don't know how I did it, but I messed it up. <laughs> Just, oh, there thank, you go. Thank you guys for being so kind as I mess it up. No, it's so, good. Like, here's our, our process. Like we want you to feel satisfied in your work to continue to have passion for this work, healing and therapy, even coaching. Like this is really amazing work right? This work should be rejuvenated. If you're feeling numb, we're going to be talking about this a lot tomorrow, but if you're feeling numb, cut off, like, like, like all the energy has been sucked out, angry, uh, frustrated, uh, disconnected from other people, a little depersonalized, like that's kind of the norm right now. And therapists, it's not okay. And we need to heal as a collective profession, right? You need financial freedom and you to start respecting yourself and have the connection. And this is the year. How many of you guys feel like this is the year 2022? Please, We've been through a couple better. of years and you have been doing everything for everybody else. And it is finally your damn year to put yourself <laughs> first, to put your business first. Like this is your time. Yeah, it's time for you to really have that great income but know that it's partnered with a great outcome where you are deeply helping clients. And that's why we're really excited to, if you haven't heard about it before, and I can't imagine you had, hadn't, <laughs> we're opening up this week, the award-winning multiple sellout business school for therapists. Yes. Um, this is a step-by-step program. It's nine steps to really streamlining your practice, whether you're solo or you haven't started yet all the way to group and beyond. You ha- we have tracks here. I'm curious, what track would you all be on? We have starting, struggling, like you're still filling your caseload, successful and maintaining, but wanting maybe either to move beyond the couch, or go into group or group practice owners, starting, starting, struggling, awesome, successful, <laughs> love yeah. it, love seeing all of y'all here. So these are some of the modules. Well, these are the modules, not some of them. Uh, In module one, we go through your vision, how to create a solid business that you love, that'll sustain and delight you long-term. And then we move into your processes, creating policies and procedures and informed consents that save you time and money. And then we move into organization. We're going to automate, outsource, and eliminate. So you love your business, have more time for life. You can leave work at work. Who's ready to leave work at work? Yes, please. (laughs) Module four is planning. Answer the questions, fill in the blanks, and finally have a business and financial plan that makes actual sense y'all like you guys have been winging it for way too long how many of you guys have figured out that like this is winging it is not doing it so we're going to figure out all those money pieces and get it all taken care of then we're going to learn how to write that compelling message after compelling message that gets clients calling and you will literally and i i hate to say this as a promise but i don't think we've had someone that hasn't had this where you will have clients weeping saying your website spoke to me If you follow our process and put it out there, you're going to have people saying, oh my gosh, you are speaking to me. It is amazing. You're going to build, tweak, or revamp your website and create a plan for that first page of Google so that you can be in control of having a full practice with ease. You're going to learn what to do weekly and monthly to grow your practice without burning out and creating a marketing plan now and in the future that really makes sense for you your clients and your personality, introverts unite, ambiverts unite. Like you don't have to go out and be all over the place to have a full practice. You're going to get direct support from your coaches. That's us. Plus we have some other coaches on board too, (laughs) twice a year, every year it's lifetime access. So there Starly's in here even said 
three years finally off the panels. I see other business school members in here as well. So they get to repeat twice a year, <laughs> every year for as long as we do this. We don't plan on stopping it. We've been doing this for nine years yes. so far. You get to connect with thousands of therapists. And this is four weeks a year. And for those yes. business schoolers in there, Share in the chat the things that we have directly helped you with. If we're writing marketing message, we're in the back end of your website, we're yes. doing videos for you. Like what are all the things, the hands-on things that you could have never imagined we would have done that you're like, oh my gosh, they will do it all. I just have to be bold and ask. Yeah. And community. This is what I love. I've been watching in the chat. It's been fire today, but this is our passion is bringing people together. We have members who have created courses and retreats and they support each other and encourage each other because yeah. we all are coming from that same shared vision. So step-by-step -step everything, fee increases, consultation calls, insurance plans. We just tip of the iceberg today on that. So business school for therapists is six payments of three... 75, 375, <laughs> or you can pay in full and save $300 at 1950. And we have gifts for you, which is always exciting. All right. We have our consultations that convert course. Y'all, if you're saying like, I don't know what it would look like to not have like, oh, I take your insurance. No problem. Let's schedule. And you don't know how to have that conversation. We're going to teach you how to have that conversation, whether it's individuals, it's a parent talking about their kid or it's couples. We give you scripts, we give you video trainings, and then we even give you scripts and video trainings for your receptionist or client care coordinator. Um, this is like how many of our business schoolers in here, this has absolutely helped you to convert more clients yeah. with confidence and have better outcomes because this will also increase your outcomes. You're also going to get our step-by-step -step insurance revolutions with system, templates with templates and um you know, the, the letters and all the different pieces and Excel documents and Google sheets for you to go through and put all your timelines and put it all into a step-by-step -step process. Then of course, you're going to get that virtual practice guidebook. How many of us have figured out we've got to know how to do online, even if it's just a backup, but maybe you don't want it to be backup. Maybe you want this to be your new normal and you're kind of uh, freaked out about the idea that insurance companies might make you go back in the office. We'll make sure you don't have to do that with our virtual practice guidebook. Plus business school is 32 CEs. You get 32 <laughs> CEs through Aspira, but we're going to gift you 50 yeah. CEs. So you get your CEs covered for a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you'll be able to do it at the timeline that works for you. Let's say you already have your CEs taken care of right now. You can take the quizzes and get your certificates at the time that works for you in yeah. particular. So how many I of see you people saying they need, need it. So those awesome. bonuses in yeah. your life? And how many of you have been shocked by the value from this free training? Like how many of you are like, oh my gosh, I have had like amazing insights just in the last 58 minutes. Yeah. And I can't imagine what it would be like to get access out to this whole more. program and have me and Kelly four weeks a year. How many of you want us four weeks a year in your life? And as an I would have paid hundred K for this. <laughs> That's so sweet. Uh, as an extra bonus on Monday, next Monday, we're going to be doing four weekly group coaching sessions with all the people who are new to business school. We've already had almost 50 people enroll in business school, and we're going to bring them together. And we're going to be answering what are their questions right now before we even get into our working session. Yeah. Let's dig in, give them support. And what we find is for the introverts, they're like, I don't 
ask a question, that's okay. You'll get so much value out of the questions from other people. And for those of you that have the questions that can't come live, you can put them in advance. We have them recorded and you're going to get fire answers from us. If you sign up by the end of today's call, which is you have 30 more minutes, you get a bonus session with one of our amazing coaches. These are them here. Eden is with us today, I believe. Um, this is nothing. We've never done this before. We're testing it to see if this is something y'all would love because we love them and they're amazing. So again, bonuses up the wazoo. <laughs> uh, and that doesn't even include the, uh, the, the one-to-one -one coaching session. We didn't put that in there. Yeah. There's some other bonuses you'll see on the enrollment page. Like we got it all set up for y'all. Yeah. We want to make it easy peasy. Um, and yes, we have a guarantee seven days, no questions asked. Here it is. We've got this, we've got this taken care of for you. Um, if this isn't for you, just send us an email and we will do a refund. We just like, we want this to be there. The reason that we do business school, honestly, truly heart of hearts is we see it change lives. We yeah. see it change clinical outcomes. It is absolutely the best way that we have found to transform therapists' lives, solo group practice. We see the change and the shift in the profession. We can see the people who are out there doing amazing work. And we see exactly the business schoolers, right? The Melvin Varghese business schooler, the um, Melissa Hall at QA Prep business schooler, the uh, Nicole Stoller Peterson doing the therapist court prep business schooler, like um, Mercedes Samudio um, doing amazing stuff with parenting business schooler. Like we have, like we could just keep name dropping for hours, uh, but we're going to hear from one person before we jump in and we run out of so much time. It's like crazy. We want to get into Q and A, but we want you to hear from Cindy Doyle. I'm Cindy Doyle, and I want to share my boot camp story with you. Um, from my recollection, I joined boot camp in 2016. Um, I remember signing up, and actually, I remember the first call with Miranda and thinking, oh my God, Miranda's talking to me. Um, and I remember signing up and I thinking, oh my gosh, I hope this is a good decision. This is a lot of money. But the hope that I wasn't going to feel the way I was feeling is what made the difference. I felt incredibly alone, isolated, confused, anxious, scattered. Um, I felt really lost when I joined boot camp. Um, I thought I was successful because I had a lot of butts on my couch. Um, I had joined every EAP panel, every insurance panel that I could think of. I had a contract to provide reduced services because that's what someone ahead of me taught me to do is that's how you do this. And you work and you work. I was probably seeing, I'm pretty sure, 44 clients a week when I came to boot camp. And we wonder why I'm most overwhelmed. I had started a private practice, I think, or a group practice. I had maybe one, if not two clinicians at that time, I can't remember. But what's sad for me to think about is I was leading them on the same path that I was on. And that like scares me now and makes me sad to think about and so grateful as well. Um, 
I was working myself to the bone and they would have worked themselves to the bone. And I had this idea for this other thing that I wanted to do and I had no idea how to do it. When I look back over these past four years, I am just so grateful and so amazed because what I have now is a thriving, and I mean thriving, group practice with five other amazing clinicians who, and we're on a wait list because we all choose to niche. It is crazy to me that I was like, I'm going to be a generalist and I want to serve everybody. And I thought niching was dumb. And now I'm like, niche, niche, niche. <laughs> and because we niche, we get the people that we want to serve. We are known in the community for certain aspects, certain populations that we serve. So whether it's first responders, whether it's teenagers, whether it's grief, that oh adulting you know whether it's that it's it's amazing to see my clinicians and their growth they are making a good wage they love working for me we are all like oh i got 24 clients this week because we all have this balance within our lives i have other clinicians that are growing their practice and without boot camp i wouldn't have been able to walk them down that path and for that, I am so incredibly grateful. I think that boot camp has made me um, a more authentic clinician. I, I let go. I let go of my hustle. I let go of worrying about pleasing, worrying of the scarcity. I think that's on the shirt somewhere. But like, it's the like, don't compete, stand out, and that stands true in so many different things that I do because it's more like a way of living your clinical life or your professional life and so you stand out doing what you're doing and now my dog has jumped in <laughs> um so i honor myself i honor my clients because i also encourage them to do the same thing so how have i grown besides my practice it's given me more time to grow my code for couples and the service that I provide to first responders, more importantly, law enforcement, I, because I have niched, I have keynoted, I have spoken at national and international conferences. Um, I have a podcast that people like to listen to. I have been contacted in order to consult. I have people contacting me for workshops, all because I niched and that I have enough time now to give it, to be creative with it and to grow something that I wanted to grow, as well as growing these clinicians. Um, I am in no way perfect. And boot camp continues to give back to me. The community that is there is amazing. The updates, I go into boot camp time after time and a time, time after time after time, just to get the information I need. So I greatly value and appreciate boot camp and um, I just appreciate the chance to let y'all know how much it means to me. Thanks. Bye. All right. So you can sign up at zinnime.com slash enroll. We're going to do some Q&A so you get a sense what it's like for me and Miranda to support you as well. There's so, some really good questions. Yeah. So there's a question too of like, what did she mean when we taught her how to niche or that she was niched? What we talk about is when you are reaching out to people, if you're sitting in front of like a group of people, you don't just start listing out, oh, 
I could work with you, whether you had depression or anxiety or OCD or sexual addiction. And like, you just start listing out the DSM five, right? What you do, if you are talking one-on-one or even with a group of people is you share your heart that applies to the person in front of you. So having niche practice means getting clear on like, this is what I'm really good at, or this is one particular thing that I'm really good at and having a specialty page on your site that has a compelling marketing message where the client reads it. We talked about this earlier. The client reads it and goes, oh my gosh, I don't feel alone. I suddenly realized that like, like what, like I, I'm not crazy because I see myself on this page and that gives me hope that I can really be healed and that you can heal me because you spoke to me so deeply. So that's what she's talking about when she's talking about niche and how we helped her to do that. Um, and how we help everyone um, to do that, to figure out what they're doing, whether they're a group practice, solo, whether they're, they have several niches or just one. Okay. I love this question. Can I, what do you do when your body, what your body says doesn't realistically match what your budget, another area of wellness is saying? Mm. I think you trust your body. I think that you trust your body and you trust that your body is pointing you towards a budget and a plan that's actually sustainable. And I think this is the piece. When we have an insurance company that tells us what usual and customary is with no knowledge of what our student loans are or what our cost of living is or whether we're single or have a secondary income or all these other things, like it, that, it just doesn't work. And so the more that we as therapists start to just be honest with ourselves about what we need to be making um, and what that will really take, then we can create a plan. Most people are actually really pleasantly surprised. Most people that go through business school are pleasantly surprised that they don't need to have a group practice. They don't need to have a be on the couch or another stream of income to have their basic needs met and to be okay and sustainable. I think that's the thing you're looking at. What are your basic needs? And then what's, what's the ultimate vision here. And so sometimes people do find if they get to a point like, Hey, that sustains my life, but I want more Then you have other options. I will also say this, you got to get creative. Not everybody is good at sitting for 45 minutes for five hours straight. Yeah. It takes a toll on some people's bodies. So we've yeah. had business schoolers who with chronic illness or whatever have moved into more of an intensive format where they work with maybe like a couple for a full day and it's less sitting. They're more interactive. They're doing activities and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then they have two week break and then they do another intensive and instead of doing the day to day. So everyone is different. You can yeah. get really creative. And it can be really, really fun and beautiful. And it can meet the needs of clients. Like how, it's like in that example with a couple, how many couples are frustrated with the idea of like, okay, we're just going to meet together once a week. They're or they're in crisis. They waited on average six years before they came in. And we say, okay, here's 50 minutes. See you next week. And they're like, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> What's yeah. going on? Um, Michelle asks, how many folks do you accept in business school at one time? So we take up to 250 people. Now that may seem like a lot, like a ton. If you think about them, that many people in a room um, and like going to a traditional space, but because of the way that we do business school, that we have a reverse classroom. 
um, and where people are watching the material at their speed, they fast forward, they rewind, they pause, and then they're coming in and asking questions. And our only job during those two week working sessions for us and our team is to be answering your questions. People go, oh my gosh, like I was able to get the kind of attention that I've never gotten even in a room of eight people, because even in a room of eight people, like you can't, you can only answer one question at a time. This way we can answer multiple questions at a time. We can provide this additional level of support. Initially we have, that number was lower. Um, and we have found over time that like at a certain number, it's kind of boring for us. We're like sitting around kind of like <laughs> twiddling our, our fingers. Um, so that's, that's, that's our max number that we like to look at generally. I'm happy to niche when, when at a talk, but I only want to niche by expressive arts and somatics modality at this point. That is what I feel ready for right now. I already got a website with good SEO and I'm half full. Kaboot can't be helpful for me now, or is it better to wait until I'm niche? No, we'll help you with what you have now for yes. sure. And we can help you to assess, well, what is the difference between what is happening right now to what would get you to full. So we can look at conversion rates. We can look at additional SEO keywords. We can help you figure out what, it, what, how can we bridge the gap? Is it just a time thing? It's usually not. There's usually several things and levers that we can pull. Um, I was just uh, doing a live with Lauren Hahn yesterday, who now has a group practice. She started with us when she had, you know, seven sliding scale clients um, four years ago. And she was talking about like, I know which level levers that I can do and, and how I can turn each of the volume up to have a better impact um, from everything I'm doing. Shannon just signed up. Ah, welcome Shannon to business school. And then Melissa just signed up. Ah, and my win, we didn't get to give you yeah, a my win. Welcome. My win. welcome, welcome, welcome. My win and Melissa and Shannon, are you guys excited for your one-to-one -one coaching session. First time we're doing that. It's pretty rad. These kind of two questions go hand in hand. How to deal with insurance? How do you explain to clients and therapists as an owner that you're dropping insurance? What's the timeline? Telling staff, telling clients do's, don't do's. How do you market differently if you don't take insurance? Sort of that, what is the timeline? Like yeah. someone asked you do a month ahead, those kinds of things. Look, when you, um, when you decide to go off of insurance, you will have a timeline as to when uh, your contract will be terminated. And we recommend that you go back from that date at least six weeks to notify the client so that mm -hmm. way you have time to decide, are they going to terminate? Are you going to refer out or, you know, are they going to stay? So it gives you, you want some, if you can give notice, that would be ideal. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, when you're talking to your staff, it's having an honest conversation as to yeah. the why. Yeah, I think that can be, and there can be a significant amount of pushback from your staff because remember your staff haven't run the numbers, right? They don't know what this looks like. They don't know whether this is sustainable. They may be so in burnout. And again, this, this thing that we like install into clients or in, into therapists that like, <laughs> that like this martyrdom, right? Like they may feel like I need accessibility is the key. And while inside, if you ask them like, how are you really feeling? How are you truly doing? And that may be the way to start the conversation. Hey, it's been a tough few years. Mm -hmm. How are you really doing? How are you really feeling about your pay? Yeah. How are you really feeling about your caseload? How are you feeling about your clinical outcomes? 
here's like, let's really talk about it. And, and Hey, here's my goal and intention over this next year. I want us to have exemplary clinical outcomes. I want to take better care of you because I care about each and every one of you. You've all been hand chosen to be a part of this, of this team. I want to be able to expand what we're doing, you know, and again, whatever the goals are, it may just be like, I had a client, you know, a business schooler where they said like, it was, I'm going to have to close the doors or I have to make a change. It wasn't even initially about like, Hey, I want to be able to offer you benefits or I want to be able to raise your fee. It was just like, I, I've been not making money. I've literally been paying, paying that she has insurance practice. We talked about this yesterday. Um, in that case, she had a full caseload of clients, five clinicians, and she was taking home $20,000 a year. So she was literally taking her profit and paying her staff. Right. So she had to have a real conversation. And they said, Oh my gosh, like, we didn't know we love you. And we love working here. We see what you're doing. Like, we're with you. Like, let's make something that's going to work and something that's, that's sustainable. Um, and they are all so much happier. She's been able to grow and, you know, just so many other things have, have happened since then. But I think that's this piece that we sometimes have to have some honest conversations, be transparent, share the joy and the vision, but also share the like, Hey, I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, maybe I messed up. And now I'm doing the math and I want to make sure this is a sta- sustainable business. I can keep the doors open. And I will also add like in the insurance revolution system that you get as a bonus with business school, we go mm-hmm. over the process of talking to clients, the letter to give them while you're talking to them because you want a transitional object. So this is that intersection of how, when you make a business decision and it's clinical impact yeah. and having a process in place to produce better outcomes yeah. is really important. Yeah. All right. Uh, when transitioning from insurance, did you lose clients? Um, we already talked about when to notify the clients, but like we said this in the training earlier that a lot of people find that they don't, or they find that really the caseload size that they need at the cash rate, they can see half as many clients or way significantly less yeah. clients. 30 to 60%. Yes, less. there's a range there than if they were to stay on the panel. So they actually need people to go. Um, so that and, does happen. And that's a more common problem is that they think that this is going to take care of the crazy caseload size. And then they're like, oh, too many people are staying. And we're like, yeah, that's, they're like, now what do I do? And then we go through that issue with mm-hmm. them. Um, I have a group practice. If I choose not to see insurance clients and want to provide coaching instead, do I have to disenroll in the insurance panels? Um, first of all, if your choice to do coaching is to avoid <laughs> having to deal with insurance, that's not the way to go about because coaching is different than therapy. If you do coaching, you just need to be clear that the service you are providing, and I would have it signed in the con- the coaching contract, that these services are not covered by insurance. You are providing this service as a coach and not under your license. So therefore, it wouldn't be under the insurance panel. And so if the insurance ever came to you and said, well, you were doing therapy, you have a contract that says, no, I was doing coaching. Here's my process. Here's how I do the documentation. Here's how it's totally separate. And this is one of the other questions I saw um, down here as well, which is like, can, where is it at? Um, Can this help 
Um, can the tools from business school apply to coaching clients yes. as well? Absolutely. Uh, we have people that come through. The majority of people are licensed therapists. Um, we have many people who are pre-licensed. We have people who are licensed or pre-licensed who, who really want to do coaching and want to do coaching because they love coaching. Uh, we have people who are speech pathologists, speech therapists. And then this is the other part that I always like. I think it's funny. Um, we have people who go through this for their therapy or their coaching practice and do something great. And then they will end up helping like their spouse or their partner. Yeah. One of our clients, she took the same, uh, took the information and applied it to um, her spouse's mechanic shop. Yeah. <laughs> and like it changed everything. So um, they, they are absolutely applicable. Um, and we have lessons that are specific about what is coaching versus therapy. We have links to specifically coaching um, contracts and we go through all of that with you. Michelle. Hey girl. Hey, I'm off panels except for Anthem. This represents about half my practice at this time down from 90%. I'm super proud of you. I need to give 90 days notice. I'm ready to submit resignation letter today. I notice all my clients really value it. If I file claims for them, I'd like to offer that service for initial claim submissions, but I'm thinking maybe offering reimbursify. Yes. Even that feels like a pain. I'm struggling with projecting my insurance angst onto clients. Tell me to just pull the plug. Just pull the plug. And if you haven't watched the training that we just did with Barbara, and this is Michelle that's in business school. Yeah. yeah so she has access. So you to have it. access. So go and watch the out of network training with Barbara, who's like a wonderful pro insurance, but she specifically says, do not do the billing for the client. And she goes into the why. So part of what happens if you do the billing with the client, now you're opening yourself up to clawbacks where suddenly then they can come after you for that money as opposed to the, for the client. So we want to take you out of that so that you are not, you don't have that liability um, for the clawbacks, but yeah, let's figure out the reimbursify or some other process yeah, to make it easier. For reimbursify, it could be as simple as download this app and you can do that on your own. You don't have to do the reimbursify either. Yeah. Um, can you speak about ending a contract with an insurance panel before the contract is up? I know some insurances allow that. Have you heard of any repercussions such as audit, et cetera? So I think this is the part, right? When you say before the contract is up, this is where if you, when you say ending a contract, meaning I stopped billing the insurance company, um, before I said I would, um, that's an issue, but many contracts say, Hey, as long as you provide us written notice. And within 30 days, 60, 120, 180, we're good. Um, I would not advise you to, to do anything but that. Um, I think that it, uh, yes, it can get you into trouble and it can get you in trouble for um, breach of contract. I don't know that it could be insurance fraud, but it could definitely be breach, breach of contract. And it could also be like, they could go after your license. So if the client says, hey, you know what? I was on the insurance panel, but they paid, they had me pay them directly and they refused to bill my insurance contract, even though they were a contracted provider, then that's something that they could go to your board for. So it's, it's not worth the risk. This is a great question. What if you're on the first page of Google, have a full practice and then some, but want to pivot to cash pay and struggling to find clients for cash pay despite being licensed in five states? Is that covered in business school? Yes. yes. <laughs> so here's the thing. I think when we're talking about getting off of the insurance panels, sometimes what, when you sign up for insurance, for a lot of people, it's sort of like handing your marketing plan to the insurance company in some ways, letting the insurance fill you. Now, when you're moving to cash pay, you're thinking of, all right, who wants to pay cash pay? That's a different kind of client. Mm -hmm. And so the marketing is going to shift. And so we need to look at how, what that's going to be like. 
And, and here's the thing I, I'm going to, and I don't, I don't know you at all, Melissa. So when somebody says I'm on the first page of Google, I don't know what that means. She already joined. She said, I already oh. joined before you responded to this question. Oh, perfect. So you'll learn. You'll learn. We'll figure it out. <laughs> but for those of you who are not listening, like to be on the first page of Google, well, if depending on what the keyword is, there may be zero searches for the first page of Google. So we want, we're going to teach you how to know what people are searching for, how many people are searching for that. And we're going to help you figure out those keywords and make sure you're there. And again, we talked about this a little bit earlier, this idea of competing against yourself when you're on every panel and your marketing is in place. Now, everybody who calls you is going to use their insurance because you take their insurance. If you get off of those panels, now you can have the conversation. We'll do the conversations that convert so that you can speak to them with confidence and have them come in at private pay. Okay. Uh, let me go back up here. Um... If I'm signed up for business school, will I be supported throughout the process of private practice? I get to sit for my licensure. Awesome. In October. And I'm truly in the beginning steps. Yes. You get to come back time and time again. I don't know if you saw in here, even Michelle Muff was like, I haven't been in in a while. Can I join again? I'm like, you just log in. Erlene's the same way. You can just log in again. It goes with you. Joanne Kim is one of our clients that came to us pre-licensure and she texted us this morning and she just bought her house. She paid off her debt. She opened a counseling center, like this beautiful, like center. She launched a course and today she bought a house and she's like, I just want you to know I bought a house. We have been with her since she was pre-licensed. And she came to a free training like this. And this, this thing, I know I have a million questions, so I'm hopeful that this will give me a community of best ideas off of my journey. Yes. And you are going to have a question. You'll be able to type it in 24 seven and you're going to find a whole lesson on that question because we've had 2000 therapists go through this process and ask to that, like thousands, tens of thousands of questions, millions of questions. And we have created step-by-step easy to follow processes. Like, oh, you're gonna feel so good about it. Okay. We probably, we'll do one more question. And then we'll do the giveaway. Oh, yeah. Um, do you know if we can still be audited if a client uses out-of-network benefits and we are not on the panel? Yes. They was audited is, is a weird way to say it, but can they request records? Yes. Absolutely. Um, the client would have to okay that um, with you. And then the client, when you if the client declined to have the records shared, they would have to know that the insurance company could take back the reimbursement from the client. Um, and if that, uh, the records that you submitted were not sufficient to show medical necessity, that could also be taken from the client. So we did a training with Barbara a couple of weeks ago. If you're in business school, you have, you know, lifetime access to that training where she goes through that in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have documentation trainings in there about what needs to be in there to make sure that if somebody pulls your, pulls your records, that there's not going to be an issue. You don't have to feel anxious or worried. Oh my gosh. That's a good question. I want to Let's answer do it. Okay. How do you survive the early desperation and worry while you're waiting for cash paid clients? I want to get off my last panel. I just want to say, first of all, this desperation feeling is normal. Mm-hmm. Okay. But also one of the ways that we quell the desperation is by taking back our power. Mm-hmm. And you can do that through your marketing. You can do that through building a community around you that knows you, that trusts you, that refers to you, it takes some visibility because if we're waiting, right? If we're waiting for the cash pay, we have to step into the light for people to find us. Yeah. So I think it's so, oh, Shannon, welcome. Oh, Suzette. Esperanza, 
welcome. Catherine, welcome. Awesome. Holy moly. That's Woo. awesome. Okay, now let's do a giveaway. Uh, and, and we're going to give away Jenny uh, or Eden. Is the Etsy gift Jenny. card, Jenny. So everybody kept leaving. So here's a lesson. Don't leave. <laughs> Until the last oh. moment. Um, Melissa, you won the Etsy card. Which Melissa? The Melissa that joined. Rosiano. Oh, nice. you, you've you already been rewarded with an Etsy yep. gift card. <laughs> you saved and, $50. <laughs> and give yourself a gift. In, in I just to bought the these on Etsy. School. I just love them. My moth earrings. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then who is our winner for business school for therapists for a free entry, Jenny? So the person that's going to have their life changed today is Sunny May Saul. Awesome, oh, Sunny. Sunny. I think Sunny just joined. Or no, did Sunny, had you already joined or no? That does sound familiar. Sunny, congrats. Well, either way. Well, Sunny's been here every day. Congrats, Sunny. <laughs> okay, she was praying for it. Well, oh, congratulations. <laughs> you all oh. were fire today again. Tomorrow yeah. we are going to do burnout and trauma and private practice. Yes. Um, we're going to be giving away Etsy and business school, but we're also giving away a thousand dollars cash. Um, can you all invite your friends, please? Can we like have everyone come in? And I don't mean this just like, so we can pitch business school, like how many of your colleagues are feeling numb and disconnected. They're like, they've lost their joy and let's like bring everybody together, have an amazing time. And give away a thousand dollars. And then for every person that you invite, just tell them like, Hey, if you win, like, let's split it and do something fun. Maybe take a little retreat or have a little fun together. Right. So let's bring our friends. How many of you guys are going to bring your friends tomorrow to our burnout training? I pinky promise this is our second time doing it. And the it's first amazing. time was like, amazing 96% of people who came were like, Oh my gosh, this is me. Like, this is everything. And like, we're like in tears during the training. It's amazing. And it's a live one for sure. Right. Awesome. Yes. So we will do that tomorrow. People are inviting people. Yes. Invite, invite, let's go and have people enroll. And you know, we're going to take maybe another five. Can we do, yeah, five, let's do another question now that we did the giveaways, we can like play a little bit, keep posting those questions. If you do have questions about business school, no too. like Jenny can get on the phone with you and do, um, and do even do like a, just a Q and a, all that good stuff. Exclamation mark. I'm very new to this. So do I give the clients a super bill in order for them to build their own insurance? Yes. That's their receipts basically. And they can go get reimbursed on their own. Do I just charge them my standard hourly rate, no matter what the clients get reimbursed? Yes. Yeah. Otherwise it's insurance fraud, fraud. Um, three blue cross blue shield reimburses quite nicely for EMDR. For example, I can bill these numbers for all, all for one session. I would lose quite a bit of money if I only charge my hourly rate. Am I understanding this the, correctly? The, yeah. Something's wrong then. Your hourly rate, right, for whatever your EMDR session, what you bill to insurance shouldn't possibly add up to more than what your rate would be if you were doing it private pay. Like that doesn't generally happen. So there's probably something happening there that we need to go forward, right? Um, this is a great question. Business school is on our own time and not scheduled. It's a hybrid. It's kind of a funny one. Um, so what happens with business school is that when you join, 
you'll start working through the material at your pace, at a pace that really works for you at the time of day that works for you. Then we have live working sessions starting on March 28th, because <laughs> Kelly has glasses, she can see the calendar. March 28th, that's going to go for two weeks from that first Monday for two weeks to that Friday. And during that working session from eight to five Pacific, we are going to be in, no matter what time of day you post questions, we're going to be in there from eight to five answering questions. We'll be providing you video answers of our face. We'll do screen shares of like looking at your, um, at your website. We'll be going into your, um, uh, like into your marketing message and helping you rewrite it. We'll do videos, helping you figure out what your SEO keywords are. Like you will, you will be absolutely amazed. We'll be looking at your business plan and like looking at the numbers, like whatever you're needing, wherever you're getting stuck, we're doing that. We have morning, um, like optional focus sessions where I just get on and, and raw, raw cheerlead and make sure everybody's getting where they need to be. And then on Fridays, we have um, two different Q&A calls, our staff uh, Ginny or Eden can put the times uh, or actually the link to the calendar that has some of the specific times yes. and days. We have a Google calendar to make it a little bit easier for you to see. And then you're going to put together what works for you and your practice. For most people, when they go through their first round of business school, they don't have the privilege of being able to like take off the two weeks. So they're doing this as part of working a job or doing this as part of um, working uh, having a private practice that's already in, in, in flow. Um, and so they find what works for them, but they start making and seeing changes right away. And then it allows them more time. And then by the time we have the next working session in the fall, they're like, oh my gosh, like my life changing. And now they have a little bit more time and we can go even deeper. And then of course it's a lifetime program. So we just like keep going deeper and deeper and deeper over time, which is really fun. What is the average amount of time a therapist spends making the transition to private pay, getting off panels and dumping the day job? Average, mm, three to six months uh, to leave the job. And it's hard to say with the panels, to be honest, because some people are in really long-term contracts. Yeah. And so that does change things, but it doesn't take long to get started. I just want to say that yeah. that could start today for yeah. you, um, but three I, to six months, I don't and, know. And I think this is the part too. Some people do this differently. So if, if you, if all things being equal, if you had a day job and you have a side private practice, you're trying to transition to, I would recommend people do not get on panels, um, until they have transitioned out of the job. And then they can make the decision about whether they want to get on panels. Most people do the opposite way, depending on how low paying those panels are. It may be that your first thing is to get off panels. And then your second thing is to get rid of the day job. Yeah. Right. So, but we'll help you run the numbers and create a bridge goal and see which direction to do that. I prefer 90 minute sessions when working with couples. Is it legal, ethical to build insurance for the first 45 minutes of a 90 minute conjoint therapy session and build the client? No, you, you have to bill for what is provided if you're under contract. So this is... Uh... That actually I, might not be completely true. So that's what Barbara had said. But. So here's what you can't do. So you could say, hey, here is what the insurance will cover. This is what I provided. And then here's the part that the insurance does not cover and you're responsible for. So there, there is a, but you have to be very careful and you need to have a contract, like a letter signed and a contract signed. This might even be something that you do. What you can't do though, 
is say that it's a 45 minute session and then put the cost of that 90 minute session in there, right? But to break it up and say, hey, I'm, I'm billing for the 45 to 50 minute session. I'm also providing another session. It's probably cleaner if you did it on a second day, um, to be honest. Um, and this is where I personally, and it depends on the particular contract, this is where I would do a consult with Barbara. Um, tell her exactly which plan you're looking, look that you're doing this with and come up with a plan. Sunny, if I plan to stay with an insurance-based practice, does a biller assist with justification of services? How much does a biller generally receive in, in pay for their services? Does a biller relieve the clinician of the insurance headache? So the biller can't do justification of services. Only you can do that. In theory, you know how to do this as part of your of your progress notes in your documentation. And so the person is able to be there inside of the documentation, like they could read it and see the justification, like it's super clear, right? The billers I've seen anywhere from like six to 8% would be on the low side, 15% would be on the high side um, for pay of their services. And some, they, they can relieve the clinician of some headaches, but you also have to understand the billing process because I have had clients that they had amazing billers that just knew their stuff. And then I've had clients get messed over by billers and have them end up in like really funky situations. Um, and this also includes the documentation. We just had a client go through an audit and get dropped from, from a particular plan. And now their business is in like dire straits. Yes. It's, it's really bad because they didn't understand what needed to happen in terms of documentation. What do you think about the use of AI in psychotherapy practice? <laughs> uh, it is basically, it's not so much what we think about it. It's so much of what your uh, CPH or liability insurance company thinks about it, because right now there are risks with it. Uh, the AI isn't savvy enough to know risk um, and assess for that at this point. And that is the biggest conundrum right now. And I do believe that there is more power in the person than in the robot at this point. Yeah. And so um, it's going to be an interesting new frontier. Yeah, for sure. So exactly how do you get off a panel? You need to read your contract. The exact how depends on the contract. Sometimes it's faxing. Sometimes it's writing and mailing a letter. Sometimes it's emailing a letter. What is included in that letter is outlined in the contract right? So those are the things that you have to do. You have to read your contract. You have to do exactly what the contract says to do. And I know it's, it's frustrating to say like, well, can you just give me a specific answer? It depends on the contract. And then finally, you have to look at the timeline is also outlined by the contract. Erlene, you have ex access to uh, the insurance revolution system. I know you've been in, in business school for a while. So please go check that out. It will help you. Is it okay to market that you want people to get help without being diagnosed and having that subjective diagnose follow them via an EHR? I think it, I think it's okay to market that like, Hey, this is, this is the way that I do work, yeah. right? You do need to understand what your ethical code says in particular, in terms of what your obligation, if you do have an obligation to diagnose that does change from state to state and from professional organization to professional organization. But to be able to say like, hey, I follow a strength-based approach that looks at the strengths. So my diagnosis is that you have these strengths <laughs> and that's what I do. And that does, that's not something that insurance companies find is, is a medical necessity service. 
Um, this also like couples therapy is a, is one of these where like, that's a V code couples therapy is not um, a diagnosable thing. Marriage dissatisfaction isn't a medical necessity um, service, at least not yet. Yeah. Um, so. Okay. Maybe one more question. I'll let you pick it. Okay. And then you'll make an eye <laughs> appointment after this. Hi now. <laughs> What do you recommend if you want to do business school, but you can't make the live session time? Do you feel it's best to have your full attention on the working session and not be seeing clients those weeks, wondering how to make the most of it all? I, it's a lifetime program. I legitimately recommend that you do it now and just go at your pace mm -hmm. and know that you're going to post questions to the community throughout the year. You're going to post questions to us at the time of day that works for you. May, even if you just worked and and posted your questions on like the Saturdays of those working sessions or the Saturday in between or beforehand, whatever, you're going to make more progress and be at a completely different place in your practice by the time the fall comes around. If you just keep doing things the way you're doing it, it's not going to change. Your schedule isn't going to magically open up. What we do is going to change your life and your schedule. Like that we're going to walk you through that process. So do it now. Everybody, like we initially, when we started doing business school, we thought, oh, this is for newbie therapists. And then we had more and more successful therapists saying like, no, like I need this. Like I, I, there's so many things that are like not working. I don't even know what I don't know. And every one of them said, I wish I'd done this sooner. I wish I'd done this sooner. There's no reason to wait. There's no reason to like be in this place of like, pain and frustration and like trying to like it's the blind leading the blind we're the worst paid master's degree we're mm -hmm. the worst paid master's degree and so you go into a facebook group and you ask a question and you get these responses and you don't know if these are responses that you can trust most of the time you can't and it's not because people are trying to steer you wrong it's that they don't know what they don't know I remember someone who was going and they were getting paid to build websites for other therapists. And they were building these websites that were bad, but they didn't know because they looked pretty, but they didn't understand what search engine optimization was. They didn't understand findability. And so they were literally providing websites that were sitting out that would never be seen by anyone that would never build the, the practices. And they were taking money from it. When they figured out what they were doing, do you know how embarrassed they felt? Do you know how like there was some shame involved, but they didn't know what they didn't know. And I think this is the, the part that's so frustrating too, is that there's no way for you to know as a, as somebody who's out there, if you haven't gone through and learned all this stuff, it's really hard to know who you can trust. And when I started out as a business coach, like I was not good. <laughs> I was doing the best that I could, but I didn't know what I didn't know. This has been 15 years of me consulting with therapists. This has been 11 years of us doing Zinni Me together. Like this has been a long time. We are getting aged. We are, we are wizened and wizened <laughs> indeed. The reason that we do business school, um, it is not because it's a passive income for us. It's not because... We're like, oh, this is a great way to like make income. It's because it really works and changes lives. And we can see it changing the landscape for our profession. And it means that more therapists are being taken care of and staying in the profession. 
right now we still have more therapists leaving than are coming in. And we have more therapists who are turning to coaching, not because they don't love therapy, but because they feel like coaching is the only way they can get paid. And that's bullshit. It's not okay. It's, and it's not true. You invested tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours and years of your life to do your life's work, to do your calling. I don't know about you. I was called to this work. It was a literal, like clear message. You are supposed to do this. And I was even called from there into this. This is what you're supposed to do is any means where I want your focus. Like we're here <laughs> because this is what we know changes lives. That's it. Like this changes lives. This makes clinical work better. I'm a better person because of my therapy. And I think the world is better because of mental health care. Yeah. And I think it's a right for everyone to be able to access it. And the only way we're going to change that accessibility is sometimes we have to work outside the system yeah. and we want you to be a part of that. Yeah. So come and join yes. us. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Starting a Counseling Practice podcast. Just a reminder, if you want some support in your private practice, we have an upcoming free training on creating a subpoena process. So check it out at zinnime.com and we'll see you next time.